Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. And we're all set to go for rounds number three and four, meaning the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight rounds of the 2022 NCAA Basketball Tournament on our special edition show. And Victor, if the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight rounds are anything like what we encountered during the first two rounds, we got to put on our seatbelts and get ready for a lot of good winning action. We certainly do, Mark, and we've got some good over-under trends for both of those rounds that you mentioned, the Sweet 16 round and the Elite 8 round, and we'll talk about those a little bit later. And I know that this is the March Madness basketball time of year, and of course the NBA, we're working down to the last, oh, three weeks of the NBA regular season as they prepare for the playoffs. But before we get into our basketball podcast, Mark, I got to tell you, the NFL is not taking a backseat to anybody when it comes to sports news. It's already been a wild eight or nine day free agency period. That said, but take a look at the players in the NFL who have been traded away in just the last two weeks. Russell Wilson, Amari Cooper. Carson Wentz, Devontae Adams, Robert Woods, Deshaun Watson to our Cleveland Brown hometown boys, Matt Ryan, and then finally today, uh, Cheetah is coming to South Florida. That would be Tyreek Hill of the Kansas City Chiefs for five Miami draft picks. And again, down here in South Florida, Mark, uh, the media is just uh, uh, besides themselves with its great offseason for the Dolphins, of course, bringing aboard a new coach, Mike McDaniel from the 49ers, uh, signing two hogs on the, on the offensive line, signing speedster wide receiver Cedric Wilson, bringing in two stud running backs in um, Mostart, and also uh, Chase Edmonds from the Cardinals, and then finally acquiring Cheetah from the Kansas City Chiefs today, what a fantastic offseason for the Dolphins. And again, I know it's basketball, Mark, but you got to have some thoughts in, that, in those areas. Well, the National Football League, Victor, just won't go away. Even though it's March Madness, I've never seen so many moves and trades and signings uh, during an offseason as we're seeing right now in the National Football League. And it seems like every day tops the previous day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my goodness. I mean, Deshaun Watson was, uh, was obviously a headline maker. And then all the moves, as you mentioned, the Dolphins have made almost all on the offensive side of the ball, which you know, doing everything they can to help Tua this football season. But it's going to be interesting, to say the least. And I know I'm looking forward to the 2022 football season, which will be right around the corner. We just happen to be working on the 22-2022 Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine. And you can mark this down, guys. It'll be available on newsstands, Barnes & Noble, Books & Millions, and in our office starting July 13th. You can get early advanced copies out of our office before July 13th by simply logging on to the website at playbooksports.com and pre-ordering your 
Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine to get your hands on it before the rest of the bookstands and newsstands all around the country do just that. And speaking about what we're talking about here, the NCAA basketball tournament, Victor, we've got a, a pretty unusual, uh, what I'm going to say, Sweet 16 moving forward in that we have three of the four number one seeds, but this is the first time in NCAA tournament history that all the number one seeds who made it to the Sweet 16, none of them arrived here with a double-digit victory in their previous game. It's never happened before. And in fact, uh, I've outlined that in our coffee club. And you'll be surprised at what you learn in the coffee club about these number one seeds who have gotten here without having won their previous game by a double-digit margin. Short story to that particular take is that they struggle or should they make it to the NCAA championship game, teams of that caliber. So we'll see exactly what happens. But if you will, Victor, let's talk a little bit about what we've seen in this year's NCAA tournament so far. Now, a couple of quick notes that I've got before I hand it over to you. We know that the Big Ten struggled. We know the SEC struggled this year. And every year there are going to be conferences that are up and down uh, but nonetheless, the SEC and the Big Ten are represented in the Sweet 16. Maybe not with as many teams that they wanted. But I do know this, that we have some Cinderella teams that we're going to be talking about here. One in particular, when we break down our Sweet 16 game of the week. But this, uh, what a job St. Peter's has done so far in the NCAA basketball tournament. If they were to win their Sweet 16 round... They would be the first number 15 seed to make it to the Elite Eight round of the NCAA basketball tournament. That's the achievement that the Peacocks have managed to put together here so far. Your take, Victor, on what you've seen, at least from the point spread and maybe the over-under perspective of what's happened so far in this tournament. Sure thing. I've got some interesting numbers. And uh, again, you mentioned we had been working on our you know, playbook uh, football preview magazine, but let's not bury the lead in that regard either. Our Sweet 16 tourney guide just came out last night. That was Tuesday night. It is available for download at the playbooksports.com website for just $20. So let's not forget that particular publication. We got eight jam-packed pages. Seven out of the eight cover the NCAA tournament. We've got our NBA page on the back as well. So again, check out the Sweet 16 Tourney Guide at playbooksports.com. Now, since you touched a little bit on the conferences, Mark, I'm going to mention some of the better conferences and some of the worst conferences and kind of work my way backwards a little bit. Thus far in the tournament, your best conferences from an ATS perspective, the AAC Conference 4-0 ATS, the ACC 9-2 against the spread, thanks to teams like Duke, North Carolina, and Miami. A couple of teams are at 67% against the spread in the tournament thus far. A couple of conferences, uh, I might uh, correct myself there. Big 12, 8-4 against the spread. And finally, the Big East at 6-3 against the spread. And meanwhile, the conferences who have been struggling, Mountain West Conference finished up going 0-4 ATS. You mentioned the difficulties in the Pac-12 Conference. They, along with the West Coast Conference, have gone 1-4 and four against the spread, the SEC 2-7 and seven ATS, and again, not a great year for the Big Ten, like you mentioned, at 7-9 and nine ATS. So, there have been 52 tournament games thus far from a over-under perspective, 28 overs, 23 unders, 55% of all games over the total. Your breakdown 
in the Tuesday-Wednesday play-in games, three overs, one under. In last Thursday's games, ten overs, six unders. Friday's games ended up going six, nine, and one over-under. Saturday was a good day for over-betters. Six out of the eight games ended up going over the total. And then finally Sunday, three and five over-under. That brings us to that 28, 23, and one record in terms of overs and unders. And then uh, finally, Mark, uh, we've got your underdog numbers. Yes, it's been a good tournament for the underdogs at 28 and 24 ATS. The underdogs in the play-in round went 1-3 and three ATS. In round one, they went 17-15. and 15. And then finally in Saturday and Sunday's round two action, underdogs came in at 10-6 and six ATS. So again, a good tournament for the under- underdogs. From an ATS perspective, there have been 16 outright dog wins thus far in the tournament. And if you consider that we've only played 52 games, that basically means that one out of every three games have resulted in the underdog not just covering the point spread, but winning the game outright. So, you know, a lot of people are asking these days, uh, is there more, are the men's tournaments more upset-friendly than usual? And to that, I say a capital Y-E-S. You mentioned the uh, number ones that were eliminated. Of course, Baylor has been eliminated. They were a number one seed. We've lost two number two seeds already in Kentucky and Auburn. We've lost two number three seeds already in Tennessee. And uh, I don't have the other number three seed that lost. You might have that. Finally, number four seed, Illinois, also lost. And uh, from the database, from 1994 all the way to last season, the average men's Sweet 16 seed has been 4.5. And this year, with the upsets, with the outright dog wins, with a lot of the big chalk dropping, the average Sweet 16 seed has been 5.3. So it's not just in the men's tournament, but if you're following the women's tournament as well, they have been much more upset-friendly than usual, with almost one out of three games being an outright underdog win thus far in the tourney. Nice recap from Victor about what's happened so far in the NCAA basketball tournament. And just uh, just to mark this down, that number one three seed that's watching the games with us is Wisconsin, the Badgers, uh-huh. who uh, checked out early part of the Big Ten's dismal NCAA performance here to date so far. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our Sweet 16 round game here on this special edition show. We'll also hop out to Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco in Las Vegas. And then we'll wrap things up with our awesome angle on this week's special edition show. We'll be back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbucks tokens are here. Earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. You're tuned into Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And now, let's throw it back to Mark. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on the NCAA Sweet 16 and Elite 8 round games coming up this weekend. Four exciting jam-packed days of winning action and information 
And with that, Victor, let's tear down one of these sweet 16-round games. And we've got a game that uh, maybe is not a marquee game, but it's a game that I think is noteworthy and worth talking about because there's a lot of good information in it. And we're going to do just that when we tear apart our NCAA tournament game in the Midwest Regional. It takes place when number 10 Miami of Florida takes a number 11 Iowa State. Victor, how do you see the over-under shaking out in this double-digit seed affair between Miami and Iowa State? Right, that's a Friday night game, and as you mentioned, a rare Sweet 16 game featuring featuring not one, but two 10 or worse seed teams in the Cyclones and the Hurricanes. The over-under line opened in this game around 131. The last time I looked on Wednesday afternoon, it was up to 133 and a half. Uh, despite the fact that the line has gone up a couple of points, this still is the lowest over-under line game in the entire Sweet 16 at the current number of 133 and a half, with Miami favored by anywhere from about two to three points in this particular game. The Iowa State, you pretty much know what you're getting in the Cyclones, a very good defense, a struggling half-court type offense. So it's no surprise that they went 15-19 and 19 over under on the season, breaking down home away in neutral. They went 8-11 uh, uh, over under in their home games, 6-4 and four in their road games, 1-4 over under in their neutral site games. Also significant for the Cyclones, while they went 11-8 and eight over under in conference play, in non-conference play, they went 4-11, 75-76% under the total for the Cyclones. Let's see here. They went under the total in their lone Big 12 tournament game, and they went over the total in both of their NCAA tournament games uh, by an average margin of minus 17.6 points per game. That's what they've done in tournament action, the Cyclones. Their average game has gone under by more than 17 points. And they have a, they had a rough shooting game in that win over Wisconsin. They only shot, what, 34, 35%, somewhere in there. But yet they still won that game because of a very, very good Cyclone stifling defense. They actually held Wisconsin to 2 out of 22 in their three-point shot attempts. Again, we know what we're getting here. This team loves to slow the game down to pretty much a snail's pace. Their half-court offense is not even a work in progress, but their defense is definitely serious. For the Hurricanes, 20-15 and 15 over under on the season. 10-5 over-under at home, 4-8, 67% under the total in their road games, 6-2 over-under in their neutral site games. Uh, in conference play for the Hurricanes, 13-9 over-under. In non-conference play, 7-6. Like their counterparts, we want to point out, though, the Hurricanes have also gone a perfect 0-2 to the under in the big dance. They went under in their game against USC. They went under in their Sunday night game against Auburn. And again, I mentioned that the fact that the total has seen some movement. It's clicked up a couple of points from the opening line. That said, I'm still liking the under to cash in this particular game. And I understand Miami is a team that's been vulnerable defensively over the entire season. We'll certainly acknowledge that. But they've looked very good in that area lately in their last five or six games and they take on, of course, one of the worst offensive teams in the country in Iowa State. The Cyclones sit 
outside the top 200 in adjusted pace of play. And, of course, they do an excellent job on defense of forcing turnovers. They rank 18th in the country in scoring defense with 62.3 points per game allowed. And what seals the deal for me in betting the under is the fact that both of these teams have played lower-scoring contests against quality opponents. Miami's last 12 games against teams with a winning percentage of 600 or higher, three overs, nine unders. Meanwhile, Iowa State, 7-1 and one to the under. That's seven unders, only one over. It's previous eight contests, again, against teams with a winning percentage of 600 or greater. I think the overline in this game is it could be anywhere from 7 to 10 points too high at the current number of 133.5 mark. We're going to be going under the total, Iowa State versus Miami. Victor goes under the total in the Cyclones and Hurricanes basketball matchup in the Midwest Regional on Friday. It's a pairing of uh, not only Iowa State's anemic offense, but they also happen to bring the best defense played so far in the NCAA basketball tournament, simply from a standpoint of points allowed. The Cyclones have allowed the fewest amount of points in the tournament, only 103 in their two basketball games. So Victor goes under the total in this matchup. We're talking about an Iowa State basketball team that is indeed one of the true Cinderella's of this basketball tournament. Yes, we've got St. Peter's. We also had the likes of Providence who played perform very well. Miami of Florida is even a Cinderella-type basketball team. But when you were a 2-26 team the year before and you lost all 18 of your conference games and suddenly you're in the Sweet 16 NCAA basketball tournament the next year, Something went right. The light switch went on for this basketball team, and it all started with head coach T.J. Otzelberger. He comes over here as a former UNLV head coach. He also was a lead recruiter under Greg McDermott and Fred Hoiberg in their Iowa State days as well. So he's not only an Iowa State guy, he's also got the attention of the, uh, the players that he recruits, and there's been nothing fluky about what Iowa State has done thus far this basketball season here. They come in here on the year, if you will, 14-11 straight up and 15-10 and to the spread against winning teams. And against those winning teams, Iowa State this year, when they've been a dog against an opponent off a win, a winning opponent off a win, they've been there seven times. They've won five of those games straight up and cashed the money all seven times. One more note of interest about Iowa State this year. How can you knock a team that is 15-0, 15 out of 15 in non-conference games this basketball season, going 6-0 straight up and against the spread as a non-conference dog? That's the role Iowa State dresses up in in this game against Miami of Florida. You take a look at the Miami of Florida Hurricanes. They're led by Jim Laranega, the savvy veteran head coach who obviously gets the huge coaching edge from experience coming into this contest here. He's been to a lot of NCAA basketball games, and he's led a lot of basketball teams to victories. The interesting thing about Miami this year is the average age of their starting five is 23 years old. Very experienced starting five for the Miami Hurricanes thus far this basketball season. Miami did struggle this year unlike Iowa State in non-conference games when they found themselves favored in those games eight times this year they were only one and seven against the spread 
You've also got another interesting note from our Sweet 16 guide in that the ACC in Sweet 16 games has struggled as a conference overall, just 41-54-2 against the spread, 4-11 straight up, 5-10 to the number when coming off a straight-up underdog win against an opponent off a point spread win. Bottom line to me, you've got Sweet 16 double-digit dogs, or double-seated dogs, I should say, against a double-seated opponent. The dog in those games, there's only been four times it's happened. This is the fifth time it'll happen. The other four times, that double-seated dog in double-seated games has gone 3-1 and one straight up and 4-0 and oh against the spread. I'll grab Iowa State and look for the Cyclones to move on to the Elite Eight round in the NCAA basketball tournament when these two teams meet on Friday. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco, who joins us from Las Vegas, to find out exactly what's going on in Las Vegas. And Andy, I know it had to be a hectic weekend the first two games of the NCAA basketball tournament. I understand the sports trips were jammed wall to wall. Well, Mark, indeed they were. Uh, not as much as in recent years, and a lot of that really has to do with the fact that so many of the locals now have the apps that they use to place their wagers from home, avoids the standing on lines, allows for the uh, immediate processing of wagers without waiting in case there are line changes, and you know, people have apps for various of the sports books here. In fact, uh, it's often recommended that for folks coming into Las Vegas for a, f- a few days, or let's say a weekend such as uh, last weekend and even this weekend, that they go to uh, some of the casinos, whether they be local casinos or ones on the strip or a combination, uh, fund an account, sign up for an account, fund an account, wager from the account. Even if you're in the sports book and you're watching the games and you start seeing some of the lines there, you can just go to your app and uh, and make the wager. And then if you uh, want to, you can close out your account or reduce it to a small balance, cash out uh, hopefully your winnings plus uh, part of your original stake and enjoy the games that way. But for those who were in attendance at the sports book, it was a frenzy as might be expected. And uh, going back over the many, many years that both you and I have been following uh, the NCAA tournament, it probably ranks as one of the top five Thursday and Friday first rounds in history. It, it all it basically got underway with that double overtime uh, first four game between Rutgers and uh, and Notre Dame and uh, really didn't let up until the overtime game that ended the first weekend with Arizona surviving TCU. Yeah, it was really, really something to watch, Andy. And uh, you were glued to the set. Uh, so many games were close call games. There weren't a lot of blowouts in that sense. I mean, there was a fair share, but uh, there were still a lot of very competitive basketball games. And the word Cinderella came back into play in the NCAA basketball tournament. You know, the likes of St. Peter's and Iowa State and, my goodness, uh, even Miami of Florida, who's playing each other this week. It was really, really well worth watching. And I'm just hoping that the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight round games can live up to that same potential because March Madness did indeed live up to its billing. Well, we can see it by the lines for the uh, games this week. And in fact, I would argue that uh, the Thursday night games, uh, the Houston, Arizona, Michigan, Villanova, Arkansas, Gonzaga, Texas Tech, Duke, you know, who needs the Friday games? This is a great Elite Eight just by itself. And you can see we've got a v- wide variety of, of lines, a couple of them close to Pickham, and a couple of the uh, uh, a modest line in the Michigan-Villanova game, and then one of the larger lines in the uh, round of 16, the Sweet 16, in the Arkansas-Gonzaga uh, uh, contest, both of whom had to serve. Well, Gonzaga pretty much got by that opening game against Georgia State, except for the fact that 
that it was a two-point game at halftime, and then Gonzaga just wore down Georgia State, and Arkansas uh, had to survive a couple of close games in their first two games, albeit they were relatively low scoring games, which went against Arkansas's preferred style of up-tempo pace, uh, which suggests that perhaps uh, this is a very well-rounded team. Uh, Don't know that they can get by Gonzaga, but if they do, they can play at a pace that some of these slower-paced teams prefer to play at. So they were impressive, despite the fact that they couldn't really get their game uh, to the pace that they would have liked. And of course, Gonzaga, a close scare uh, in that uh, uh, second game against Memphis, where uh, they were ripe for the beating. In fact, all four of the number one teams, and of course, we saw Baylor already eliminated, but the other three number one teams, the number one seed all face tough challenges to get into the second weekend. And if you go back over the long history of the NCAA, certainly since seeding began in 1985, the eventual champion has often had to survive at least one very, very close call, if not two. I think the one that that I remember the most is the unbelievable uh, Tyus Edney uh, end-to-end court run that allowed uh, UCLA, I believe it was, uh, when they won their title to survive Missouri, and then they went on to win the title. And so all of the uh, three remaining number one seeds uh, can say that they survived some some stiff challenges just on the opening weekend. And it's, it seems like almost a prerequisite to ask uh, some of these number one or two ranked teams to end up in one of those close call basketball games. They end up feeling like they're playing with house money from that point thereafter because they got away uh, with the with the win in those basketball games. And uh, it only makes for excitement in the next in the game thereafter. And I love your analogy about who needs Friday when you've got Thursday. All eight of those teams could well indeed be well representative of elite eight caliber type basketball teams even a double digit seed in michigan who is a a rare double digit seed and uh, very very competitive so uh i wouldn't be at all surprised to see the winner maybe i mean if if it's not kansas out of the uh out of the uh coming out of the midwest region here to see the winner coming out of one of thursday's basketball games how how did the uh sports books fare overall andy was it a, a good profitable weekend for them because of the handle or because of the results I think it was a combination of both, but especially when you have a favorite that wins but fails to cover the spread. Uh, that is uh, one of the best scenarios for the sports book because uh, they avoid paying out money line wagers on the underdog, which are very popular when the favorite wins. Uh, of course, a lot of folks will play the underdog straight up on the money line rather than take the points. So for those who did take the points, uh, that uh, made up for more than those who, who laid the points and lost. Although the favorites did have some share of success, I believe they actually won and covered the first five games of the tournament, not including the uh, uh, the first four games, so the first five games on Thursday, I think, all went the favorite way. So the sports books did very, very well in a situation that uh, uh, one would expect them to uh, to do well. I don't know that they'll have the same success uh, this week, except for the fact that you've got so many compelling matchups, really on both days, but certainly on uh, on on. on, uh, on I just certainly on Thursday and even on Friday, especially given the quality of the teams, and you can really make a case. I mean, it's hard to make a case for Iowa State, Miami, possibly Providence or St. Peter's, but you take a look at the rest of those teams. Uh, I'm looking at 11 of the 15 teams having legitimate chances of winning this tournament. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see any one of those 11 climb the ladder on championship Monday to do just that. And we've seen stranger things happen. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be all that head scratching. It may be to some people, but I think we got a real well representative sweet 16 coming into this particular weekend. Uh, and speaking of which, Andy, have the, 
what was open for the lines in these Sweet 16 games? Have you seen any major moves that are noteworthy so far? Uh, I've circled two of the eight games as having somewhat noteworthy moves. Uh, certainly all the games are interested. There's only eight of them, so I can go through them. Arizona opened a one-point favorite against uh, Houston. They've been bet up to one and a half with the, this total basically staying at 145, and that's an interesting game because it almost equates to a correlated parlay. If you like Houston, then the game has a better chance of staying under, and if you like Arizona, the game has uh, a better chance of uh, going over. That was almost uh, similar to a couple of the games last weekend that uh, uh, the side and total were correlated. The Michigan-Villanova game is extremely uh, compelling as well. There's been no movement in this one with uh, the side and total opening and remaining. Villanova 5 and uh, the total 135. And of course, Michigan, let's keep in mind, they were a top four, top five team heading into the college basketball season. Uh, They got it going at the right time uh, in the NCAA tournament. So their talent was never to be questioned. And uh, now uh, they're playing to that level. And uh, of course, Villanova uh, steeped in a lot of recent tradition. That's a compelling matchup. One of the interesting uh, matchups is the Gonzaga uh, versus Arkansas uh, matchup, where I mentioned that both teams uh, really survived in their first two games. Gonzaga really pressed by Memphis and Arkansas, equally pressed by uh, certainly uh, New Mexico State in their uh, second round game. And they were able to just hold off uh, Vermont in their opening game. Of course, that was an interesting game. Vermont did cover the uh, plus four and a half in that game. And it looked late in the stages that Arkansas was going to wear down Vermont, but Vermont showed a nice little rally, as a lot of folks thought they would. So, uh, again, those games not played at the pace that Arkansas likes. This one figures to be a high-paced game, and it's hard not to make a case for the over in this one. Uh, But the surprise part of this is Gonzaga opened up an eight-point favorite, which seemed to be a reasonable number, considering that they were about nine and a half against Memphis, who they struggled with, but did defeat in their uh, their second-round game. That line, however, has has gone in favor of Gonzaga, up to uh, the Zags now being a nine and a half point favorite, and uh, certainly you make some very good cases for both of these teams, but uh, all four, as I mentioned before, all three number one remaining seeds have been tested, so Gonzaga might be in for a similar test to to what they received from uh, Memphis last week. Uh, The Texas Tech-Duke game, another game that really hasn't seen movement. This one figured to be a pick'em game. The odds makers decided to uh, take a look at Texas Tech, make them a one-point favorite uh, despite the fact that they're going up against Coach K and well, any game could be his final, the final game of his legendary career. Again, the Tech remains a one-point favorite. Don't know if we'll have the money come in on Duke as heavily as a lot of people think because Tech is a very representative uh, team, and they've really had a surprisingly uh, strong season. Uh, North Carolina and UCLA on uh, on Friday. Uh, UCLA opened a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It's gone down to two-and-a-half, so it crossed somewhat of a key number of three when it comes down to late situation, uh, late game fouling situations in tight games. Uh, Purdue uh, opened a 13-point favorite against uh, upstart St. Peter's, and that's been bet bet down slightly to Purdue uh, 12.5. The Kansas-Providence game, another compelling matchup. Providence just keeps to find a way to win. If you take a look at the stats, and of course, your Sweet 16 newsletter, Mark, uh, much as your uh, entire tournament preview magazine, outstanding in presenting uh, a lot of the information, and Providence does not have very impressive statistics other than the fact that they seem to find a way to win close games. So we'll see if Providence can hang in in a game that has actually seen them draw the early money as Kansas opened an 8 
8.5-point favorite. It's now down to uh, 7.5. This one also shows a bit of a move in the uh, total, up from 139.5 one, excuse me, one thirty-nine and a half to 141.5. And then the final uh, game to touch upon is the double-digit seed uh, game that will have one double-digit seed advancing to the Elite Eight as Iowa State takes on uh, Miami. Uh, both of those teams have somewhat ordinary statistics. Miami's got some uh, very uh, nice defensive statistics, as does Iowa State. So maybe this is a game to look over the total, although the line for the total has gone up from 131 to 133. And this is the one game where we've actually had a change of favorites in a game that figured to be around uh, uh, Pickham. Iowa State opened as a one-point uh, row. Well, one-point neutral site favorite. The game is being played in Chicago. Uh, now Miami is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And speaking of this game, uh, I forget who the reporter was on the sideline, but uh, she had, I think, the best line of the opening weekend, which followed uh, uh, Miami's win over uh, uh, over Auburn, when she said, you've now got cyclones and hurricanes going to meet off for a right to make it to the Elite Eight in the Windy City. That line's a great line, cyclones and hurricanes. It's all about weather in the U.S. here in the spring. <laughs> all about the March Madness tournament as well. One unique other thing, Andy, is that that matchup of Arkansas and Gonzaga, uh, this is only the third time in my database, it goes back to 1990 in this tournament, that it's matched up teams in the Sweet 16 round where both teams failed to cover each of their first two basketball games. Uh, uh, disappointments to their backers here so far. So obviously one of these teams looks to break through and cover a point spread in this game. Andy, By the way, I, one other, well, one other interesting I'm thing. I was, yeah. I was just going to say about that Iowa State-Miami game that I wanted to point out is that both Iowa State from the Big 12 and Miami from the ACC. Those are the two conferences, each with three representatives in the uh, uh, in the Sweet 16. The SEC uh, did not fare as well as expected. The ACC, we didn't know what to expect uh, because this is a team that usually gets seven bids. They had only five, and yet they are the one of the two conferences that is very well represented in this uh, uh, Sweet 16 round. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. We're getting the Vegas vibe and everything that's been going on in the NCAA basketball tournament this year. Andy joins us each and every week throughout the football season on our Mark Lawrence Against the Spread podcast. We look forward to having him on board when we begin in September, the first week of the NFL football season. And Andy, before I let you go, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play on the card this Sweet 16 round. Well, we came up a little bit short with Jacksonville State last week. They did have the game covered after a sluggish start, and uh, Auburn managed to score a few late baskets. We saw that in a number of games. But I'm going to come back with a quality team this week. It's a team that I've really been focusing on all season. I've done well with them, and it's the uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders going up against Duke in a game where I mentioned they're a one-point favorite and don't know if the line will end up there. Duke could be a one-point favorite or could end up uh, pick them. One of the things I like to do as we uh, start the journey uh, towards the uh, March Madness, uh, really at the beginning of conference play in in uh, early January, late December, is to see how teams do in what I call key situations. And Texas Tech has excelled in that spot really all season. Now, they lost uh, their first, I think it was their first conference game in early January at uh, Iowa State by four points. They had Kansas and Baylor up next, so don't know as much as it was a look-ahead with a four-point loss, but they then host Baylor, beat them, uh, ho- excuse me, host Kansas, beat them by eight, then go to Baylor, 
and upset Baylor, uh, winning by three. And then, okay, they just came off two big wins. They go home to Oklahoma State, and they beat Oklahoma State by 21. So they basically did not really suffer a look ahead and certainly did not uh, suffer a, uh, a letdown. In fact, they even had that look ahead against Baylor when they won that first of those two games uh, against uh, uh, against Kansas. And then you go a little bit later in the season, and they had the big game that I had circled on my calendar uh, for a lot of folks uh, did as well when they were going to go to to uh, uh, Texas, uh, uh, they were going to uh, host Texas at the beginning of February. Of course, former coach Chris Beard bolted them for the Longhorns, and that really uh, was a disappointment to uh, many of the uh, Texas Tech players and the uh, backups uh, or, or uh, the the, uh, the alumni and then the fans. Well, before this Texas Tech game, they hosted in that SEC Big 12 Challenge, they hosted Mississippi State, whom they blew out by 26. Three days later, they host that big game against Texas. They win by 13, and then they go down to West Virginia the following game over the next weekend. They win at West Virginia by seven. And then later in the season, they had another back-to-back encounter, this time with Baylor in Texas. Before the Baylor game, they beat TCU by 13. They host Baylor, win by 10. Then they go for the return match where Texas was looking for revenge. Texas Tech wins again by six. And then they come back after that rugged two-game stretch, and they uh, defeat Oklahoma by 20-something. So they really have passed uh, uh, the test uh, that uh, that I look for. They did uh, struggle late in the year at Kansas in the um, uh, Big 12 uh, uh, championship tournament. But other than that, Texas Tech has done everything you like to see of a team because it shows that they maintain focus in situations where 18, 19, and 20-year-olds can often not be able to sustain it from game to game, much less over several games. So as much as uh, uh, I did have a future on Duke, I still have a a future on Duke. I played it well before the uh, tournament, so I didn't know the matchups. Well, now I'm going to have to have one of these tickets go down in the Sweet 16. I'm going to back the Texas Tech Red Raiders to currently cover the current number of one and perhaps even eke out a a five to seven point victory. Andy Isco looks to put the final cap on Coach K's career with a win by Texas Tech over Duke in the Sweet 16 matchup. A lot of good analysis inside that selection. Andy, once again, a great job on the show this week. I'm going to wish you the best of luck, not only in the rest of the tournament, but the offseason summer as well. I know you'll be getting ready for the football season, as will we. And we'll look forward to circling back and visiting with you in the 2022 football season. I will look forward to it. I'm wondering if uh, any of the sports books here in Vegas or offshore will say will have a proposition up with a certain number attached to it. How many quarterbacks will open week one with a different football team than they ended 2021 with? How many will open the 2022 season on a different team? That's a great prop, Andy. Now, I'll tell you what I'm going to do as I'm preparing the uh, Football Preview Guide magazine. I'm going to look into that and make mention of it in, in and around uh, some of our write-ups. So that's a good thought, the over-under on new quarterbacks for 2022 NFL football teams. From Andy Isco, joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Before I get to the awesome angle of the week, I want to hop over, back over to Victor King from King Creole Sports. And Victor, we're doing something here that we started a couple of years ago as far as the basketball newsletter is concerned. The Sweet 16 is not our final edition. We've got a couple of more NBA basketball newsletters to come here. And if you would, share a little bit of that information with our listeners about that. Absolutely, Mark. We will conclude the NBA regular season with a couple of NBA-only Playbook weekly newsletters. And, of course, uh, check out the information at playbooksports.com for those 
all pro basketball issues that will wrap up the uh, current Sweet 16 tourney guide that we'll be viewing and using over the next seven days, Mark. Now, before I get into a little bit of NBA, there are two Sweet 16 and Elite 8 over-under patterns that I definitely wanted to mention as well uh, that we pulled out of the database. And uh, this one covers a 15-year period, and we are looking at Sweet 16 games in which the favorite is laying eight or more points. These games have gone seven, 24, and three over under in the last 15 years. That's seven overs, 24 unders, 77% under the total. And that's in the Sweet 16 round, the Thursday and the Friday games. So we're looking for big favorites. We're looking to go under in those games. So we got a couple of potential plays on Thursday and Friday. Under in the Gonzaga-Arkansas game with the Zags laying 9.5 currently. And then finally under in the Purdue-St. Peter's game with Purdue laying double digits in that particular game. We will be potentially looking to go under in both of those games in the Sweet 16 round. And then finally in the Elite 8 round, we've got some decent over numbers. And that's the games that will be played on Saturday and Sunday. The Elite 8 round of the NCAA tournament. In the last 20 years, look for games that have an over-under line of 143 or less, and then look to go over the total. These games have gone 59 overs, 26 unders over a 20-year period, 69% over the total. So in the Saturday and Sunday games, Mark, look to go over the total with any lines that are 143 or less. So we got some decent Sweet 16 numbers for you in terms of unders, a decent Elite 8 round over pattern as well. And then finally, Mark, we, we got to spend a minute or two in the NBA. And I, I say that uh, because <laughs> both of us, yourself, myself, we've been blazing in the NBA for sure. Mark probably doesn't even realize that he's gone 19-8 and eight against the spread in the NBA for the season, 70%. Not only that, but eight out of Mark's last nine NBA releases have all been winners. We've got a three-week period here of NBA regular season. we got the postseason coming up. So, uh, you know, March Madness might be dying down, but the NBA is still providing outstanding value for the betters out there. And I also got to mention that uh, our NBA totals for King Creole have gone 8-2, 80% in the month of March as well. So, again, uh, playbooksports.com, it's not just for March Madness, it's for pro basketball as well. I've got two different over-under patterns. One we'll mention here in the podcast, Mark, this is the time of the season in the NBA when you want to consider going low when two elite conference teams are playing each other in the second half of the season. We've got a nice, long, big sample size, 61% under the total, we're dating back seven seasons. Our database query takes us back to 2015. 80 overs, 128 unders, two ties. That's all NBA conference games in game 40 or greater when both teams have a 600 or greater winning percentage. Just in the last two months alone, these NBA games have gone two overs, 10 unders. The theory behind this low scoring situation is that these elite teams 
tend to ramp up their defensive intensity as they prepare for the playoffs and or are still fighting for potential playoff seeding. So in the next 10 days of NBA play, we've got seven such games in which we are going to consider going under the total. If you got something to write with, I'll rattle them off real quick. But again, we're considering going low as an under in these seven games over the next 10 days of play. Dallas versus Utah on Sunday. Memphis versus Golden State on Monday. Philadelphia versus Milwaukee on Tuesday. There are two games on Wednesday, March the 30th, in which we will consider going low. That's Boston versus Miami and Golden State versus Phoenix. Next Friday, Memphis versus Phoenix. We're going to look to go low on that one. And finally, next Saturday, April the 2nd, Golden State and Utah. Again, it's the perfect time of the year to go under the total when two elite same conference teams are playing each other. Uh, There you go, Mark. Again, it's not just March Madness. It's all about the NBA as well. And uh, not to toot our own horn, but the last couple of months have been very, very good for Mark Lawrence, NBA customers, and King Creole customers. Great information from Victor King. Some great Sweet 16 and Elite 8 over under situational plays. Topped off by the NBA Go Low Theory, which I absolutely love because it it epitomizes exactly what teams that make the playoffs are all about. It's all about defense in the playoffs. And these teams are ramping up to do just that. So if you didn't mark down those teams that Victor mentioned, rewind, go back, and listen to them because you'll end up uh, being happy that you did just that. Before I get to the awesome angle of the week to close out the show here, Two quick notes, if I may. Number one, our good friends at mybookie.ag are offering our listeners a $1,000 welcome bonus. Simply log on at mybookie.ag, use the promo code PLAYBOOK to qualify for your $1,000 welcome bonus at mybookie.ag. And from yours truly, this Sweet 16 and Elite 8 round weekends here, I'll be releasing my NCAA Tournament Play of the Year. You can get on board. It's a $99 four-day week of winners, the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 round of games, including our NCAA Tournament Play of the Year. To take advantage of that, simply log on at playbooksports.com or give my office a call toll-free. The number is 1-800-321-7777. And with that, it's time for You Know What, our awesome angle of the week. To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best, his awesome, awesome angle of the week. And our awesome angle of the week on this special edition Sweet 16 show is called Eight is Great. And simply put, it couldn't get any simpler than this. What we do is to play on any number eight or worse seed in the NCAA tournament when they're in the Elite Eight round. These are Elite Eight round teams that have a number eight or worse seed. We're going to play on these guys because since 1991, these teams are 15-4-3 and three against the spread. The teams nobody wants. These number eight or worse seeds in the Elite Eight round, that's a 79% winning proposition. We're going to have at least one, if not maybe more, and the possible teams, I'll tell you who they are, are guaranteed One team we're going to have is the winner of the Iowa State-Miami game. They'll automatically qualify in the Elite Eight round. Other possible winners would be if these next three teams win their Sweet 16 game, they'll also qualify. That would be Michigan, North Carolina, 
and St. Peter's. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to our special edition show. And a quick reminder that we'll be back with the Mark Lawrence Against the Spread podcast for the 2022 football season when the NFL begins in week number one. Be sure to mark that on your calendar. I want to thank our good friend Victor King from King Creel Sports for all of his help and effort that he's done all season long. The terrific job he does on these podcasts. Our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.